0: Good afternoon. I hope you all are well and welcome to episode 5 where today I will be talking about my love for cinema and television. Now on Instagram I have been very adamant on my love for cinema and television. I do mostly follow accounts that bring up a movie from like a specific year or genre or they um do sometimes they do these anniversaries of when the film came out and then they share cool facts about the film or the actors and stuff like that i think one of the instagram accounts that i follow is like film enthusiast and then i forgot the other accounts that i follow but i absolutely love those sorts of accounts because it exposes me to different movies that I'd, I've i never seen or it again reminds me of movies that I have seen that I've you know um fallen in love with and appreciate and use as a muse for a poem or a song or a specific photo that I'm taking in a sense of like not in a sense but what I'm trying to say is um depending on what film I watched or what TV show I watched, I I know, no, I do not base my personality off of the show or said film. I just get inspired by it. <laughs> no, but what I do is when it comes to taking my own photos, when, it, when I take photos on my digital camera or even just on my phone, the editing style can sometimes align with either the show or the movie that I saw or watched so anyways we're going to get into my journey of my film journey and I'm going to um, just talk you guys through the films that inspired me in the beginning and the ones that got me into film anyways and then what my favorite movies are at this current moment in time including what shows that I enjoy watching. In which ones that I recommend, so enjoy. So I don't like this director because he's a dick, <laughs> but um, Woody Allen released this film called A Midnight in Paris, or it might just be Midnight in Paris, back in 2011-2012, and my sister actually showed me this movie. She goes, "You you might like this because you're a writer and you always talk to me about writers that inspired you or writers that you liked, and this movie kind of does the same thing, so you should watch it. And I went, oh, okay. So A Midnight in Paris follows Gilbender, who is a writer from Malibu, and he's married to this woman named Inez or something like that, played by Rachel McAdams, who's queen, and Gil Bender is played by Owen Wilson. Um, so... If you hear someone talking, it's my mom. <laughs> She's like going off in Spanish right now. <laughs> but, anyways, going back to the film. So, the story follows Gil Bender and his wife, or well, not his wife, but his fiance, um, as they travel to Paris. And it shows you the differences in their interests and in their characters and what they believe in and how they want to live. So, Gil is the way he described his interest in love for paris was living in a loft that overlooked the stars well you know it had like a skylight where you could see the night sky through it and the stars and he loves walking in paris at night in the rain and he was just a very romantic sort of character romantic in the sense of yes he was romantic in his relationship in the film But what I mean by a romantic is I mentioned that term in an earlier episode where I was talking about an era of art, literature, and music or composition where these composers, painters, and writers were inspired by the natural world around them. So Gil Bender was essentially a romantic in that sense too and every little thing about Paris was inspiring or fulfilling to him, whereas his fiancé loved Paris but loved the glamour, It was very materialistic, and thought that Gil wasn't a realist but more of a dreamer, and he, he was receptive to that judgment from her, but it didn't really bother him. He kind of just was, he's a very, he was very passive about it up until he goes out late one night after him and his fiance and a college friend of his fiance who they run into in the film they all go wine tasting and shit and Gil's like a little tipsy and he's like oh not like that but he's just tipsy and you know it's just like oh my god Gil your cheeks are red have you been drinking a lot of wine and he's like well we're wine tasting but anyways her Um, college friend who they had run into or run into whilst they were in Paris as well his name is Paul and um you know they're all hanging out and Inez had her parents in traveling with them as well and how Inez thought of um Gil and how he was like I said not a realist but a dreamer his parents her parents were very critical of Gil as well and thought the same thing and thought that he wasn't going to go anywhere or he was um unrealistic too fantastical and not a grounded or stable man in the sense of a firm and a firm career that they would approve of and that they want their daughter to be with like he's the type of man that they don't want their daughter to be with that's the type of dynamic between Inez and like her parents and then her parents and Gil but anyway so they're all wine tasting right and then Gil's a, a is a more introverted character and after they go wine tasting they leave the venue and then they're like oh let's go dancing and Inez is like oh I love dancing and Paul is like oh i love to dance too and he was always like the know-it-all type of guy where he would be they'd be walking near a famous french fucking not monument but um an important staple of french architecture and he was like oh actually back in this year so and so and everybody was like sorry i hit my glass and everybody was so enamored by paul and gill was just like oh cool and then he'd like give his input just because he was trying to and it, would, it wouldn't it would land with anyone and they'd just kind of be dicks about it and we're like, oh Gil's just being Gil in his own little world. Paul is a realist. We like Paul. Paul is a successful man. He has his shit together. It's not that Gil didn't have his shit together. Like I said, he's a romantic and romanticizing life to some people can be seen as imaginative or unserious or... Um, almost irresponsible too but anyways so they all go dancing and Gil's like you know what I'm actually just gonna go for a walk and then Inez is like no you're not and he goes no yeah I'm just gonna go for a walk and so she just lets him go off and then Gil um goes for a walk late at night in Paris and he kind of he's he, he walks around a little bit, but then the scene uh, transitions, and he's trying to find his way back to the hotel, and so he's asking, like, a few people, and he goes, uh, the hotel, and he says it in French, and they're like, no, sorry, and then, and then you know, they leave, and then he's just kind of drunk, waiting for a, either a taxi or somebody to kind of help him, and then all of a sudden, the street gets quiet, and then a 1920s um, classic car uh pulls up where he's standing and it's a uh, it's two flappers and it's this man who are talking to him in French and they're telling him to get in the car and he's like me <laughs> and his Owen Wilson voice <laughs> so he goes in and they're talking to him in French and he's just drunk like oh huh cool and they like offer him champagne and they're all talking to him and then he's like, oh, this is, this is kind of interesting. So then they drive to this, um, man, I haven't watched it in a while, but I'm trying to remember. Okay. So I think they drive to this like bar and then it's 1920s, all the flap, the flapper era, right? The roaring twenties of France. So they go inside the bar and oh fuck what was the name hang on I have to look at the soundtrack really quick because there was a song so okay so he walks into the bar and then um hang on let me just look at this hang on y'all I gotta find this shit oh yeah I was right it is Inez thank fuck Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, Who's the guy that sings? Oh, okay, I remember. Alright, so... They go into the bar, and... Gil is looking around, and he goes... Oh, you know, you can tell he's just thinking that it's a 1920s-themed party and shit like that. But then... The resemblance of the figures that he saw in the film were uncanny and so he was kind of like all right am i drunk was there something in the wine am i actually losing it is everyone right about me losing it and am I delusional so because he looks at a man who's playing the piano and singing and he goes that sounds like cole porter and then the people around him are like no that's cole porter what are you talking about so he's kind of like okay that's weird that guy looks and sounds like Cole Porter maybe I'm drunk (laughs) and so then like he walks around and then he's introduced to Tom Hiddleston this is the actor okay Tom Hiddleston and he goes how are you doing and you know Gil's like talking and shit and he goes oh I'm I'm Gil Bender nice to meet you and then he goes Ernest Hemingway oh no not Ernest Hemingway he goes um F. Scott Fitzgerald and then he was like huh? And then he goes, like, he doesn't say huh, but you can tell that Gil is like, okay, what the fuck is happening? And then, you know, Scott looks around and he goes, Zelda, Zelda, come here. And then Gil is introduced to Zelda Fitzgerald. And so Gil's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So if you guys don't really know, I accidentally said Ernest Hemingway just because he is in this movie but he meets Gil meets Ernest Hemingway later on in the film but if you don't if you are familiar with the name but you don't know about F. Scott Fitzgerald or you don't know any books of his um F. Scott Fitzgerald is as you know most known for his uh book The Great Gatsby which is good but But one other good F. Scott Fitzgerald book that I read is called um, The Beautiful and Damned, which is really, 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 really good. What F. Scott Fitzgerald would write about during his... Um, in his... During his... What the fuck, guys? I can't talk. What F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote about was the struggle of... It, well, his... Characters always were depicted as mentally. There was always a struggle, both mentally and emotionally, with his characters. As you know, Jay Gatsby, and I think the other character in The Great Gatsby's name is Nick, where you see this sort of turbulence or you see this essence of the characters where they're very troubled or they're withholding details about their lives or there's a lot of secrecy in F. Scott Fitzgerald's books and there's almost like well that's like the best way to explain I'm not gonna even like keep going on this tangent but um in the beautiful and damned that is expressed as well and I feel like F. Scott Fitzgerald was writing from a place of I don't really I honestly don't know how to describe his writing but that's the best way to explain the stories that I just suggested um it sounds like he was trying to write from the perspective of like okay just don't fucking yell at me for this all right i'm just gonna quote justin bieber (laughs) the song lonely where he's like what if you had it all like what if you had it all and nobody to call maybe then you'd know me (laughs) i literally drew a parallel between f scott Fitzgerald and justin bieber i don't ever think that that's been done before but I did it (laughs) anyways um so what I'm trying to say is F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote about the glamour of the 1920s and that flapper sort of party era and that rich and well writing from a place of wealth but you notice that it wasn't everything just because of what the characters would struggle with like the beautiful and damned I think dealt with infidelity as did um and um and a matrimonial turmoil <laughs> shit like that but I hope that makes sense I'm, I'm kind of going on like a spiel here I don't fucking know anyways um so um right so Gil every night after this goes into the same car and he meets the writers that inspired him and from that he um you see the development of Gil as a character and as a person in the film and where it leads him to making the decisions he made towards the end of the movie and I watched it for that first time and I immediately fell in love and I started that's when I read um I knew about F. Scott Fitzgerald because I did read The Great Gatsby, but I'm trying to remember... Okay, well, I read The Beautiful and Damned after I watched the movie, and I didn't really read Ernest Hemingway, even though I knew about him and I did respect him, but he wasn't an, an interesting author or writer to me because I didn't resonate with him. That's the only reason why. But A Midnight in Paris was the first film that inspired... In- It just drew me into the world of cinema, and from then on, I've just been, like, watching all sorts of movies, and falling in love with them, and then being disturbed by a few, and then not watching other ones, just because I'm like, yeah, it was a good for the first time, but I'm not doing that again. I was 14 when I saw it, and it changed me. The next movie that changed my life for the better was Hell's Moving Castle, (laughs) because that helped me recognize my tasted men I'm just kidding well that's not a complete lie but I'm not gonna get into that but anyways Howl's Moving Castle because the soundtrack is beautiful and every time it's summer or I feel like you know you know it's like when I go to the wineries with family that's what it feels like it feels like Howl's Moving Castle but also Hal's Moving Castle just reminds me of spring. And we are in the spring season right now up until June before the summer solstice. so it feels it feels akin and it feels familiar and it's, and it's great. Um, why Hal's Moving Castle changed my life for the better. Um, well, it's cute. It's so cute. The development of Hal and Sophie's attraction, Ten out of motherfucking ten. That's what I want. And also, I watched the um, English version, so it's um, Christian Bale voicing Hal. I mean come on, it's Christian Bale. I love that guy. He's one, hot, two, love him. He's he's I couldn't think I can't think of anyone else that could do a how that could do howl as well as Christian Bale did. But Howl's Moving Castle is a nostalgic movie because I saw it when I was a kid and it's just a beautiful movie and it's timeless and it will always be good and it will always make your heart swell with joy <laughs> in this jubilant energy. <laughs> but there's not much for me to say about Hal's Moving Castle because it's just experience it for yourself. Go rent it on YouTube or something. Or maybe it's on um, HBO Max. Find it on any streaming platform. Look it up. See where it's at. Because you, you are going to love it. But also, I'm trying to actually think of like a well-thought um, opinion of, or description of why Howl's Moving... Explanation, sorry, of why Howl's Moving Castle is so important to me. It just makes me feel like a kid. I get in touch with my inner kid. And... It makes me lighthearted and like how I refer to uh, certain poets when I am in a mood and when I want to convey a specific a specific emotion watching Howl's Moving Castle makes me feel very um light and um playful and energetic so that's like what I have to say about Howl's Moving Castle it's just so good and it's beautiful and um, Calcifer is funny as shit. Um, The Wicked Witch of the Waste. Annoying. Fucking asshole. Anyways. She's an animation. She's not real. <laughs> Imagine if I was, like... Like, the next five minutes I was ranting about how horrible she was as if she's an actual person. The time I would waste. And oxygen. Uh-huh. Right, moving on. I don't... No one that I know has seen this movie except people who follow this director and follow, yeah, just follow this director follow, you know, film accounts but Francis Haw, written and directed by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig uh, Francis Ha was the first Greta Gerwig film I had ever seen and Francis Haw found me at such a good fucking time when I first saw it It was December 2019. I was sick as shit. And I was just in my room. It was clean. My room had freshly laundered sheets. It smelled warm. Had my window open. Um, It was... As I, you know, winter obviously, um, it had just finished raining. It was the evening slash night time. Um, had a candle lit or my humidifier on. My room was really cozy and it was super cool. And I was like just in my room watching different movies because i was resting and had no energy to move so i had i remember what film i watched beforehand but i watched black klansman when with john david washington i think that's his name and then adam driver which that movie's fucking crazy <laughs> that movie's so good though but um it was after watching black klansman which also has a fire an amazing soundtrack Go, go watch it and listen to the soundtrack. So I finished it and I was like, okay, what do I watch next? And at that time it was on Netflix. So I'm browsing Netflix and I had a little Adam Driver face. <laughs> I'm not ashamed about it. I thought Adam Driver was super hot and I was like, oh, he's so my type. <laughs> And also, this was after The Rise of Skywalker, so go ahead, fucking yell at me. I'm not a, You're not a real fan, or you don't know shit about the Star Wars series. I don't, alright? I don't. I'm kidding. Don't yell at me, because I'll probably cry. But going back to Adam Driver, I was looking for another movie that he was in because i was like i can't get enough of him and because i was really attracted to him i found francis hall because he stars in that movie alongside greta gerwig so i um am like oh i've never heard of francis hall i look at the um synopsis of the film and i'm like sounds cool and i played it and i was already like oh whoa that's different it's it's shot completely in black and white so I thought that that was cool I was like "Ooh, I haven't seen a I haven't I don't know of a movie I don't remember a movie at that time being shot completely in black and white in 2019 I think a year later the lighthouse was shot in black and white it might have been released in 2020 or like 2021 I cannot remember when the lighthouse came out but that was just an example of a modern film being shot in black and white that I can name off of the top of my head Anyways, so I start watching Frances Ha, and Frances, um, Ha is the character, full name Frances Holloway, and she's a 27-year-old modern dancer who lives with her best friend Sophie, and her and Sophie are really close, they're like sisters, they're platonic soulmates type of relationship, and Sophie is friends with Benji and, um, oh man, what was his name? i can't remember the name of adam driver's character i think it started with an l lynn no that's not it lev 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 (laughs) okay benji and lev are sophie's good friends and um the movie opens with like sophie and francis like going around it's based in new york and paris and sacramento (laughs) so um sophie and uh francis are like play fighting and then the scene the scene shifts and they're sitting in Central Park having like a baguette with tomato and mozzarella which looked fire that looked so good so it's showing you their dynamic and how they live with each other and it and then um that scene transitions and Frances is talking to her boyfriend at the time who was like oh I'm getting these two cats and so we can raise them and like you know have them together and then she's like, oh, that's cool, but it's gonna be a bit difficult kind of rotating them between our apartments, and he goes, that's what I wanted to ask you, and she goes, okay, and he goes, I want you to move in with me, or do you want to move in with me, and then Francis is like, oh, well, I have this thing with Sophie, and the thing was, um, Frances just was going to stay with Sophie till the lease, and she was probably going to renew it, you know what I mean, and her boyfriend got all butthurt about it, and, like, he <laughs> apparently, like, it was an underlying joke that he was an alcoholic which is so fucked but um so they kind of argue well it's not really arguing they just go back and forth and then he like grabs a beer and he's like this wasn't working out and like he's all like upset and she's like I'm sorry uh and she's like all awkward and it's so funny that interaction at first I was like what type of acting is this Little did I know it's this subgenre of fucking type of acting called mumblecore, which is like the most natural way of acting. It's like putting a camera up where you and your friends are talking and that's like and following only minimal dialogue of a script and then kind of improvising from there. It's the most like natural way of acting and I realized how much from Francis Ha. Huh? that I would end up liking that sort of acting and if I were to ever act I would do that and do independent films because they're so much fun but anyways so her boyfriend's like oh this isn't really working out and she's like yeah this isn't working out um and then she's like grabbing her stuff and he's like where are you going and she goes I'm I'm just so tired and I'm sleepy shit like that and then and she goes and plus you're gonna be a single she think she made a joke and she was like you're gonna be a single dude with two cats and he's like what and he's like why am I single and she was like well you just said that this wasn't working out and then he laughed and then she was about to leave and then he looks up and he's like crying and he's like can you move in with me and then like that scene ends and then it goes to Francis at a party that um Sophie had invited her to and that's where Sophie I mean uh, Francis is introduced to Benji and love so the film progresses and f- it's showing Francis that she's not unstable she just doesn't have something stable for her yet you know it's that pressure of being 27 and maybe I should already be settled in my own place having my own stable job or maybe a stable relationship but I don't have any of that. I'm moving around living in different homes or apartments around New York and I'm traveling and I'm angry at my best friend for talking to me and not renewing the lease and moving out with someone else that she doesn't even like so it's just like this natural progression of someone's life and you are getting a vulnerable and open-hearted version not version what's the word perspective that's the word and it's just good I mean it might not resonate but it resonated with me and the people that know about it it resonated with them and there's a monologue that Francis or Greta Gerwig uh performed in the film and um that's like the scene that I see where they draw parallels from different films like there was this one account that used that monologue and it was drawing parallels from different films where it's one person two people in the same room there's a lot going on around them they're talking to other people there's a lot of noise but when they look over to said person that's their person you know what I mean so it was a great it was a great monologue and it was a great fucking movie and it shows you a little bit of Paris and a little bit of Sacramento where she also I think filmed um Lady Bird with Saoirse Saoirse Ronan and Mr. Timothy Chalamet but Frances Ha changed my life for the better because I felt so comfortable and I felt recognized because I- Frances was like this quirky and really weird character and she was- she always talked- she spoke her mind but she was also very loving and sensitive and she's like the type of she literally is the type of character or like the type of person to say what do you mean by that and so and I'm like well that's actually me but she's a you just adore I adored her character and I was like that reminds me so much of me and I just but then also it was an inspiring film because I was exposed to a different sort of cinema and type of acting so but anyways that's a wrap up on Francis Ha and why it's awesome and how it inspired me so this is a film people have heard of because it's been out since 2011 Francis Ha came out in 2012 but 2011 I feel like 2011-2012 was like the height of independent indie films too anyways uh the perks of being a wallflower I hadn't seen it when it came out because I was too young but I had seen uh perks of being a wallflower in like 2020 so in 2020 a lot of people had a lot of time on their hands and I utilized that time creatively and it was in that it was in that year where I started to write more, read more, but then also watch a lot of different films. So, um, I, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower was on Netflix and my brother was like, Gabby, have you seen Perks of Being a Wallflower? And I went, no. And he goes, you need to watch it because you are going to like, he goes, be warned, you'll cry. And I'm like, I need to anyways. (laughs) So started watching it. And Perks Being a Wallflower, if you haven't seen it already, follows Charlie, who's this... Oh my god. I got a text message from my friend. <laughs> Ignore it. Um, oh, for fuck's sake, Jeremy. <laughs> um, sorry, I had to pause and respond to my friend, but we be on our way back onto the topic. I have to put the understanding on slightly. Sorry. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> uh anyways, um right, so Perks of Being a Wallflower follows the story of Charlie, who's this very sensitive and introverted and fiercely kind young man who is a freshman in high school and his um friend his best friend had killed himself and Charlie had experienced his own uh trauma as a child and that is later revealed in the film if you haven't seen it already and in the book and I have the book and I've read it and it's even it's even sadder than the movie but it's so healing and moving and it's just a such one of my favorite movies and that's why I'm you know suggesting it in this episode but anyway so Charlie was just counting down the days until he graduated because he was just like oh great I have to do this shit (laughs) but he runs into Sam and Patrick and he falls for the both of them And, and what I mean he falls for the both of them is he just they become his people you know what I mean and Charlie becomes their person um So, uh, Charlie and Patrick are, their dynamic is super sweet, and Sam and Charlie is, oh, God, they're so awesome. Fuck. (laughs) These characters are lovely, but, um, this movie, too, is just heartbreaking, but it shows you the importance of friendship and communication and healing, and, um, it shows you that there are, there's always somebody for everyone whether that is a friend group or a romantic partner and it's just amazing and my favorite character in that movie has to be Charlie I love him so much because I relate to him so much and just how he is and how he carries himself and his interests I'm like oh me I would have been best friends with Charlie fuck I would have dated Charlie (laughs) but another like favorite character even though he didn't have a lot of screen time was um Mr. Anderson played by Paul Rudd love that guy and as you know just the most one of the most like famous quotes from that movie is um Charlie Nina Dobrev is in it and I love Nina Dobrev um Charlie's talking to Mr. Anderson about uh like why do people love why do people still or he said something like why do people go back to the person that hurt them and it was it was a question like that it wasn't that exact question and then mr anderson goes we accept the love we think we deserve so that speaks volumes (laughs) a lot of people even now without recognizing it accept the love they think they deserve even though you know like a perfect example is me um not trying to be like Oh me I'm just using myself as an example because I truly accepted the love that I thought I deserved and I thought I didn't deserve unconditional and pure love because I thought I was a horrible person and that I wasn't worthy of love and that I'm not good enough for anyone or I'm not pretty enough for a guy shit like that and um I didn't fully accept the love I thought I deserved but I accepted behaviors that I thought I was meant to observe or deserve if that makes sense but I don't I don't think that anymore. I, I know I deserve unconditional love and a pure love from a guy and that goes for um, anyone who's listening to this segment of the episode that you do deserve an unconditional and pure love and a love that is just right for you and you can reciprocate and return that love to someone that and and it will be the type of love that is just right for them right place right time you know what I mean but anyways um there were a lot of themes that I related to and perks of being a wallflower but it, there was also this element of understanding and recognition and I just love it I love it it's a comfort film as is Hal's Moving Castle and Francis Hall all of those all honestly all of the movies that I've listed so far as movies that sh- That have changed my life are my comfort films and I go to them every now and again when I'm in the mood and they still have the same effect as they did the first time I saw them so all of these films when it came to cinema and my love for cinema um, inspired me to be a more vulnerable and raw person but an artist as well How fragile some of these characters were and how sensitive a lot of them were helped me acknowledge my own sensitivities and my own fragility and vulnerability and how that, that can be a superpower, even though a lot of people who are sensitive think that it's a weakness or they're too sensitive or they're butt hurt all the time or they can't handle this or they can't handle that you're just extra sensitive to stimuli and to conversations and to people and to certain things that are told to you or said at you or spoke I mean uh directly spoken to you you're just you're extra sensitive to honestly everything around you and there's nothing wrong with that because that is a superpower because you can observe the unseen and you can feel the unfelt and you can create beauty out of deeply felt emotions so all of these characters I related to because there was an element of sensitivity and tender-heartedness and I thought I was too sensitive or I thought I was too gentle when that's actually when that actually can be a rarity in the world if you are listening to this and you feel like you're oh shit I feel the same way being gentle is beautiful. Being vulnerable is great. Being being sensitive is a superpower and it is a good thing because you deeply feel and you know what it is to authentically appreciate and love someone. So, kudos to fucking you. Let's- here's a little bundt cake for you because that's a great thing and it's a beautiful thing. Um right um so yeah now i'm wrapping up the f- cinema aspect or the film aspect of this conversation oh bonus film that's a cute rom-com and it's just adorable it's watching the de- watching the detectives with killian murphy and lucy lou watch that movie come back to me all right tv shows uh freaks and geeks I saw that when I was 17, 16, 17 years old, and I was like, oh, fuck, my mom's gonna kill me, because, you know, she, I didn't really watch a lot of TV, but also she didn't want me watching, like, particular things, like, when we were kids, she didn't like it when, um, we would watch Drake and Josh, because she's like, Drake is kissing too many girls on that show, but, you know, like, you're kids, and it was a different fucking time, and now she's like whoa, like, she doesn't she doesn't really care as long as it's, like, she just doesn't care. I'm 20 years old now. She's like, watch what you want. You're the one that's going to be consuming all that, like, in that sort of way. But I tell her about the shows I watch, and I show her clips, and she's like, oh my god, that's funny. But anyways, Freaks and Geeks was the first genuine show that I watched for my age range. So I fell in love with it. Um I forgot the actress's name, but she plays Velma in Scooby-Doo. Um, you have jason siegel james franco oh what was her name the the blonde girl who plays busy phillips um seth rogan you had john something he plays sam weir but you had just like a lot of great fucking actors in that show and it was really funny and it just goes through like the epic highs and lows of high school football <laughs> No, it just goes through how shitty high school can be, but then how fun it can be with the people you're around and how fun it, it, how not fun it can be if you're, you know, I guess according to your parents or according to your teachers, the wrong crowd of people. But it shows that it's like a yin and yang sort of thing. It shows you the good in everybody and it shows you the worst in everyone, but then the good and the worst in everyday life experiences and it's comedic timing is really funny my favorite character from that show was jason siegel's character who he uh nick why are there so many (laughs) nicks in like tv shows maybe it's just an easy name anyways um nick was my favorite character so sam and bill who bill was um sam's uh, friend um neil was so it was Sam, Bill, and Neil. Neil was annoying as fuck, but he was kind of funny. <laughs> Bill was just a funny guy, and Sam was just like a dork. Um big, big love for them. Uh Freaks and Geeks is a show that I watch every now and again. And yeah, ten out of ten. Go watch it. You can watch the series on um either Hulu or HBO Max. If I'm wrong, just go on Google and it'll show you the uh the streaming services where you can watch it. Next show is sherlock <clears throat> i was around that age 16 17 when i saw sherlock and this was the bbc um sherlock if you don't know about it, it's with benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman who i love both actors martin freeman is in another film that i like called the world's end directed by edgar wright starring nick frost and simon pegg i love those motherfuckers every movie that Edgar Wright has done with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg is 10 out of 10. Like, if you guys don't know, like, I think they call themselves, like, the Three Musketeers or the Cornetto Oh, no! So, Hot Fuzz, um, Shaun of the Dead, and I think The World's End is considered the Cornetto Trilogy to them. Cornetto is this British ice cream. It's like an- it's like how here in America we have drumsticks, in the UK they have Cornettos it's essentially the same thing but it probably tastes better anyways um so uh um Martin Freeman was in a Edgar Wright film alongside Nick Frost and Simon Pegg and um anyways that was me kind of like fangirling (laughs) over Edgar Wright but um Sherlock um obviously follows by Conan Arthur Doyle the author of the Sherlock Holmes books or stories and investigations um did like a more did like a modern twist to this version of Sherlock and the acting in it is great the comedic timing is great everything about this version of Sherlock is amazing and I watched it from season one I think to like season five or I think there was like four or five seasons I can't remember but from the beginning till the very end and I cried at and every scene where you're, where the actors are crying, I am, (laughs) but it's, um, it's just a really funny, um, it's a really funny, um, it's a funny show, I said funny, like, four times, ignore, (laughs) anyways, um, on to the most recent show that has changed my life, has been Normal People, oh my god, guys, I first heard about normal people on TikTok and Tumblr, but I wasn't invested in figuring out what everyone was talking about. I just heard about Connell and Marianne on TikTok and, like, saw clips from the show, and then I would hear about it or read about it on Tumblr, and I'm like, who the fuck is everyone talking about? (laughs) I was like, is this a movie? But, um... I kind of just let it fizzle out, and I didn't remember it by the next time I um, saw it again. And what I mean by that is, like, it didn't cross my mind up until I saw it again. That's what I meant to say. And I um, bought the book because I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. It was originally a book? Oh, okay. So I bought it. Crushed. Crushed. amazing writing sally rooney is a queen she's the one who wrote normal people um i fell in love with the writing and the characters and the story of normal people because i read it at a time where i needed to read this book it was it resembled my situation to a certain extent it resembled a romantic situation but i was I felt so fucking understood in this book, and it was just beautifully written, and it gave me another perspective of my own romantic situation, and just romantic situations in general, and just understanding the complexity of people and their emotions, right? So, I read the book, I fell in love with it, and I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf, and I'm just like, you are the love of my life, but... As you know, it was adapted into a television, a mini-television series on Hulu, so I read the book, and then I read some, and then I read another Sally Rooney book, and then I was like, oh right, Normal People's on Hulu, I'm gonna watch it. So I watched it, like, for a few days, it only took like three days, three to four days to finish the series, and I was like, I cried when the characters cried, and I just, I loved that show, and it changed my life because shows you again the development of the relationship between Connell and Marianne and then how it progresses how they ebb and flow in and out of each other's lives and how fierce he how fiercely he cared about her and how she cared about him and how well and how synchronized they were as characters and as friends at one point and then as romantic partners at another point and how his treatment of Marianne from the beginning to the middle to the end was stark whereas was stark different than how the guys that she dated in the show treated her and her friends how they treated her and how she then treated them in return so Normal People is one of the best shows I have seen Um, I have a list of shows that I consider the best that I have seen. Number one is Peaky Blinders. (laughs) I know I didn't, I was thinking of putting that in this episode, but I'm like, everyone knows about Peaky Blinders. I don't honestly want to talk about it because I was like posting about it like crazy when I was watching it. But, um, yeah, those are just a few television shows that one made me fall harder for, again, television and how, uh, a story can be told or how characters can be depicted visually and, um, dramatically, I guess, but yes, well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk about these films and television shows, and I hope you go watch them for yourselves because maybe they will make you feel the way that they made me feel. Maybe you might even feel, e- maybe you might feel even better. Who knows? But, enjoy the uh, movies and enjoy the films and wow no that's the same thing (laughs) enjoy the films and enjoy the shows and episode six is gonna be funny because one the title I came up with myself I've been coming up with all these titles but the sixth episode title is funny and the conversation that I'm going to get into you won't really expect to hear it from me but whatever You'll just, you'll just see it when you hear it. Well, you'll hear it when you hear it. Bye.